Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and you've guessed it, this is where we talk about money. And it is my mission to empower you, to help you make the best financial decisions possible. Why? Because money is a tool, life is for living. Let's go. Hello, good morning, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the show. I hope you are well. Hope you had an amazing weekend. Uh, it is another Monday morning, and the religious, the church of you who listen to the podcast, I know that there are some of you who actually listen literally at 6 a.m. right as it's uploaded and it goes live. So as always, thank you to you guys. But um, today, I'm going to be joined by a guest. Uh, the last maybe two, three weeks, you've been speak, listening to me basically give you my thoughts on what's going on at the moment and some really key bits of information. This week, we're going to change the tax a little bit because I've been asking myself a question over the last maybe week, week and a half. And this stemmed from a conversation I had with my friend Rasha. And the question at hand is, is it possible to change your social class? Now, I have my own opinions of this based on my experience through life, where I've come from, where I am right now. And I know that the guest that I have on the show today, his story is actually very, very unique as well. And he's got a particular uh, set of views on this. And this is what we're going to discuss. So it's going to be interesting. I'm going to bring on in a moment, Warren Gosling. He is a corporate banker in the city of London. And he also has social media, just like me on Instagram, YouTube, where he talks about financial matters using his experience of being in the banking industry to benefit and help others on their journey. So welcome to the show, Warren. Thanks for having me, Pete. Pleasure to be on. Now, mate, listen, so why don't you tell everybody a little bit about you by way of introduction? Because I'm really excited to have this conversation because I know from listening to, to you know, you speak on like Clubhouse, you've got your own journey and certain things that you, you're doing and you've done really, really well over the years in terms of just positioning yourself and the, and the outlook that you have and you're trying to empower people now. So let's start with the introduction of you. Yeah, no, thanks, Pete. So I guess my story is very much working class. Uh, I grew up in a council estate in Southeast London. Um, you know, my grandparents were first-generation immigrants from Jamaica, so they came over in the 60s. Uh, my mum was second-generation and I think, yeah, very much working class, got the opportunity to get a scholarship to um, private school. And I think, you know, you mentioned during your intro about, you know, um, going through or elevating, not elevating yourself, but going through the social classes, there's a social ladder. You mm -hmm. could say it started off from the bottom. And I really do think that, you know, education was the key to going from working class to middle class, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. um so yeah my my at school i really did love economics had a great teacher um studied it at uni and um actually did an internship in a canary wharf at barclays um during my nice. second year of uni and they offered me a job as long as i got you know certain grade by the end so i actually went into banking in 2008 as the world was burning <laughs> <laughs> great time to enter great time to enter was crazy mate um so that was yeah you, you probably i think i learned in in those three or four years worth of you know intense recession probably that was about 10 15 years worth of banking experience because everything mm. was going wrong and really from then on i you know i've gone from being a full-time employee at a bank to being a contractor so i've gone through you know pretty much all of the main global banks um in in the city and i'm a contractor to this day and as you mentioned now i'm doing some social media um, you know, trying to build a presence to really give back to people, especially coming from, I guess, you know, the same sort of position that I did. Because um, financial literacy, as you know, and as you talk about a lot, is um, not as well taught in this country 
as it should be. And that's probably an understatement. Yeah. You know what? I had a conversation uh, about a week and a half ago with um, another YouTuber, actually, Paul. And because um, I talk about the, the fact that, you know, we don't get financial education and it's not built into the system as it should be. And he made a really interesting point. And I'd, I'd, I'd like to get your, your view on this. He said, if you look back over, you know, the 1970s, roughly, the, the Maggie Thatcher era, you had environments when back then interest rates were 12, 14, 15%. And like for a mortgage, <laughs> like you were really paying like high, high, high interest rates. And he made a really important point. He made the point of, well, actually, when you look at the environment back then, the stock market back then, and then the bond market back then, well, you didn't really need to know much because all you had to do is go and buy a high interest bond, which you could get paying 10%, 12%. And that kind of gave you the return that you wanted. Obviously, things are relative. If you're paying, if you're getting 10, 12% on your, on your bond, but then you're paying, you know, 8%, 12% on your mortgage, that it kind of breaks even. Yeah. And he goes, if you fast forward to today, so back then they didn't really need to know about the stock market because you were getting really good interest rates mm -hmm. in your bond, in your bank. And he goes, if you fast forward to today, everything's kind of flipped on its head. The stock market has boomed even more, it's grown even more. But then if you look back, certainly since you know, 2007, 2008, what we found with bond yields and interest rates is nosedive. And so people are seeking better returns in the stock market that they know nothing about. And it's not built into the education system because there wasn't really a requirement back in the 70s for there to be that kind of information because the stock market really wasn't the place that you would go. And that kind of just blew my mind because I never really looked at it in that way before. Yeah, it's a great point. And as you said, it was less accessible as well back then because back then you'd have to ring a broker, a proper broker in a dream. Mm -hmm. You do your deals over the phone. Um, and, and you're right, you know, those, I remember my mum and my grandma used to talk loads about premium bonds. Mm -hmm. We used to win like a prize with, um, oh, I've forgotten the provider, but, you know, you buy your bonds and you could win a prize um, at the end of every year and like everybody was invested in premium bonds. And as you said, um, in terms of those yields and those rates of return, um, they, they, they flipped over the years, you know, um, at the end of the day, what we're seeing, as you said, you know, the stock market really is the primary, well, one of the primary sources of wealth along, mm -hmm. with, along with property. I mean, I, I did a video not so long ago and I was just looking at the stats on um, household wealth and it was pensions, then property, and then the stock market. Um, I think, you know, bonds are in there, but they're kind of like hidden amongst financial wealth, which was lower down. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the environment that we're in has changed a lot when it comes to, um, you know, investing and seeking returns. I, I, I do think, you know, you're right, absolutely. Back then in the 70s, you didn't have a requirement to to know about, you know, seeking other, other, other types of return. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not really sure, like, how many landlords maybe there were back then. I know that today, you know, like 4% of the nation are landlords, and I, I'm not sure what it was a few decades before. Mm -hmm you know intuitively i kind of feel like the main rates of return and building off back then was and bonds mm -hmm. um whereas now um yeah people are seeking returns you know, maybe it's a natural evolution right of, of economies and of society you know mentioned at the beginning you could place trades if you were in the stock market over the phone now it's on your phone yeah um, invest in this you know magical thing you know 
Bitcoin and cryptocurrency must seem like witchcraft to our to our yeah. grand, you know. Yeah. So yeah, um, yeah the, the the landscape has completely changed. Yeah, I mean, crypto to be honest is is like witchcraft to me. And again, in that same conversation, yeah. we were talking about okay, so if we if we know now that financial education in schools needs to encompass things like the stock market or that kind of stuff, and should have done really probably you know from about 15, 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, because if we accelerate. 10, 15 years into fu- into the future, mm. bearing in mind that the stock market is the new thing that people should learn and should be taught in school, what is that next thing? And I firmly believe it, it will be blockchain. It will be crypto. Yeah. And again, that concept is mind-blowing to me because it's like you understand what crypto is all about and the whole purpose of it being decentralized, not being able to be influenced and controlled, but how it gets into the mainstream financial system is another challenge of its own because of the deregulation and all this kind of stuff. It's going to be very, very interesting. It's, you know, yeah, you're, you're right how it gets in there. But, you know, when you look at, I remember, I don't, I don't know if you've participated in crypto, but I remember I jumped in in 2017 when back then it seemed like, wow, this, this, this is a ceiling. It was like 20 grand per coin and... Mm-hmm. People like just like today, people were becoming like millionaires off of buying Bitcoin back in it when it was like you know 10p, and now they're buying Ferraris and that. So um, you know, I jumped in um with my silly self while it was peaking, and long story short, it crashed and I sold out. But if I'd have kept it, I mean I'd be doing really well now. Um, but yeah, just in terms of um, you know, how it's gonna look um, you know, 20, 30 years from now, it, it's really a good question. I think what's changed between you know our parents slash grandparents' generation as us is that access to information. You don't necessarily need the stock market and, you know, crypto, et cetera, et cetera, to be taught by your curriculum. You can find it on YouTube, on Instagram, on a podcast. And really, I think that's where uh, the younger generation right now kind of do have that head start. Because, you know, when we were teenagers, you know, most of the things Instagram, Facebook, you got your news and your education from school or from the news. There was Mm -hmm. no alternative media. So... Um, yeah, you're right. It's a bit more of a jungle out there now in terms of possible um, investment opportunities. There's a lot more choice out there, but the education is out there, which I think is an advantage for for the youth of today. Um, personally, yeah. I don't know what you yeah. think. I can, no, I completely agree. And I actually do have a question on that, actually, because I think, again, with... So my parents are Nigerian, right? And you'll know if from our community is like, my dad was like, you're either going to be a doctor, an engineer, accountant, or a lawyer. That's it. Those are the four options, nothing else. And uh, in school, I did A-levels. I did physics, chemistry, biology, geography. I did all the sciences. And I was going to be, you know, if if the world was a perfect place, I would have gone down the route to be a neurosurgeon. That was going to be what I was going to do. Um, and in this question of, you know, uh, moving through and changing your social status, your social class, I wonder if in in today's age, if education plays a, as big a role as it did for our parents and maybe for our generation that were brought up by those parents whose experience was, well, you needed a degree to get into that company. You needed this to be able to get a really good career. Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And what I think, you know, not to go off on a tangent, but I was listening to a podcast the other day with my wife and it was like, what, what is the definition of um, class, right? Mm-hmm. So stuff like education, um, you know, family history, um, 
you know, an income, your job, you know, what you actually do. So if you're, I don't know, if you are, say, say you're a YouTuber and you're earning million pounds a year, does that make you middle class? Um, it, it's quite amorphous and it's quite mm-hmm. vague. Um, but for me personally, um, you know, I think income is a huge component of what determines um, your, 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 your class. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I think here yeah, in, in that sense, sorry, the question was again, so just remind me what you said. Whether education plays as big a part in that yeah. transition through the classes as it did back yeah. then in today's age. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. So I think I think it's still important. I do feel like, you know, with us being, I think you're in finance too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you're applying for these banks and these, you know, um, big four firms, or, you know, might not necessarily be big four, but they do like to see certain levels of education on your CV still. Mm-hmm. So I do think education is still important. There's certain institutions that you can't really get a foot through the door unless you've been to yeah. uni or even a certain uni. Mm-hmm. But I do think there are a lot more detours and ways around that nowadays. Um, you know, you can you can join on you know maybe um, an experienced hire scheme, or you know, you, I, I do, I do, there's there's other routes you can take basically to elevate your social standing and elevate your you know your way through the classes. You don't necessarily have to go into the traditional professions, and you don't need to necessarily have a higher education these days. I mean, me personally, when I do have kids, I, I'm not necessarily convinced I'm gonna push them push them to go to uni a because of you know how much uni is right now of course yeah and then secondly you know there there are many other avenues um towards you know making your life and earning a comfortable wage i I really do think there are more options these days yeah and it's an interesting one really man because if i could i said this the other day if i could go back and do it all again there would probably be only one thing that i would have changed and that was the fact that i didn't go to university and i wish that i had because right. when I when I did start, when I moved from East Sussex back into London, because I was like, oh, you know what, I need to, there's no progression here. And I was in corporate banking at the time. There's no progression here. I've got to wait for someone to retire or die. That's not going to happen. So I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm getting up to London. And how 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 hard could it be to find a job in the city? And I wanted to be, and ever since I started in uh, financial services, I was like, dude, if I can work in Canary Wharf, you made it. Like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Was the, that was the, that was the, the pinnacle of my thinking at that point. And like, I didn't realize that, you know, you cannot put your CV in front of some of these companies in Canary Wharf and get, get looked at. You just, you just won't. And I was really, really lucky that the company that I ended up at didn't really care about that. They were looking for a certain kind of personality because the product they were bringing to market required serious tenacity and mm. serious like determination and the ability to like be able to take knocks and be like just go again just go again and i was really 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 lucky and fortunate to get an opportunity within that company if yeah. i could do it all over again and make it easy for myself i'd just go to uni and hopefully get my get get my foot in that way but yeah. i know for for many people who aspire to that kind of level in canary wharf and it's it's weird looking at you know working with some of the kids in that area around the vicinity of canary wharf sometimes they look at it it's like uh, that's not really for me and it's like well actually you can but you just need to kind of have a plan like all things in life yeah yeah no i i, I completely agree with Pete. it's um and you know when it comes to you know as we you know what it's like in these kind of institutions you have you know the, the management level and as they go on to retire and you know we slash the you know our demographic go on to take mm-hmm. them i think we'll go in with that mindset so when it comes to us hiring the next generation because you know that will be us 
maybe a decade or so from now. I, I think we'll go in with that mindset that, you know what, you know, this person's CV, they don't have, um, you know, this uni or this school or this qualification on there. But, you know, they've worked, you know, they've worked since they were 16. And, you know, I can see progression from, you know, junior to manager. So I don't think we're as hung up on those things as the generation before us were. Mm. Um, and, you know, we, we live in this kind of like side hustle generation where we yeah. know you know you can make money without working for a company you can you have an internet if you have an internet connection um you know something to say um you know you can make a podcast you can make you know youtube videos you can make content there, there's so many other ways to to um you know it, into it well to get your way into making a good income and living well and you know i, I think as well you know being in a bank and being part of teams where they've been hiring people and they've asked me to come in on the process my mentality wasn't looking for unis. I was looking for, you know, what are their interests? What have they done outside of work? Mm -hmm. What it is refreshing to bring in people that haven't worked in the banking industry. Mm -hmm. They fell out the womb. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the usual, the usual route. Um, so I, I think it'll be different when, when yeah. it comes to us stepping into those kind of levels. So aside from education, do you think there are any other key points that you know are important in this? this journey from, you know, through social classes. Cause I think, you know, if I, if I look back on my family, my mom and dad came here in the seventies, they had me whilst I was here, they went back to Nigeria. I went back when I was like, cause I was fostered between three months to seven years old. They then sent for me and sent me back at 17 with 50 quid. Luckily my foster parents still lived at the same house. Otherwise I would have been literally homeless straight off the bat. Um, and I, and if I look back over my kind of like journey, I, I definitely, I definitely didn't come from kind of like a certain class, partly because I had my journey and my, my earlier years broken up between two countries. Oh. Um, and what I found is that it can be very, you almost feel sometimes as though you are hitting a ceiling if you don't have certain things. Do you think there's anything else apart from education that can help people break through that barrier in your, in your opinion? Yeah. I mean, having worked in, many many big banks and you see the type of personalities especially that are in leadership in these places i i honestly you know i don't no one can really convince me otherwise yes you need to have you know the brain power credentials are great if you've got these qualifications but i would say at least 60 to 70 percent of of the role and progressing and getting you know being successful you know in in whatever industry you're in is your soft skills and by that i mean mm. you're to interact with people to work with teams to influence others and you cannot you cannot teach that at well you can teach it to an extent at school but really those are things that you develop just in life mm -hmm. um, as opposed to you know I took a test and now I'm great in, you know it, it doesn't work like that so um, I, I really do think interpersonal skills play a huge part in getting into companies getting roles in companies and in so doing you know, earning a, a larger wage, getting those promotions and becoming, you know, higher up and elevating your your um, your, your social class. I really do. I, I believe that quite strongly. You know what? I, I That is a really, really good point. Because I always say to people when I talk to young, young kids who are like, oh, you know, on mentorships and stuff, I say, and this isn't, and people take it two ways. I always say that you have to learn to adapt to your environment. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that, you have to change your personality. You just need to adapt it so it's appropriate for the environment that you're in. 
And I always say to like some kids, are like, it's okay for you to be you outside of work. That's cool. But you have to recognize if you're going into a professional environment, that version of you and certain things that you do may not be palatable, you know, palatable to that environment. So you have to know how to manage that and yeah. actually assimilate and morph and, and, uh, kind of adapt to that environment appropriately that doesn't mean you're selling out that doesn't mean that like you know ah, uh, yeah you're just pretending to be someone else no you're you're trying to develop a different side to you that then elicits soft skills improvement growth personal development all those kind of things and i think some people get it some people don't because it's like well how can you have like how can you be like this way and then you're that way at work and it's like i think you'll be very, very surprised that most people do have a work personality and other people have a, a have a home life personality. It's more common than you think. Yeah, I, to- I totally agree with you. And that that adaptability is the key word because for me, I learned that quite early. Coming from my council estate, my one-bed flat, then going to this private school where, you know, I went, I went to boys' houses and it blew my mind. I've never seen houses that big. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never seen that amount of cars. I'd, it, it was just ridiculous. And um, yeah, there, there was a dichotomy there. It, it was not that I was two different people, but my world that I came from was so much just different. It was just mm-hmm. that. So I learned that early on to, to you know, come from, you know, my council estate where, you know, there's roadman on the estate, people from the ends. And, you know, they, you know it, it, that, that's my beginnings. That's my background. That's my roots. And I'm proud of that. But then you go into a school where, you know, they've educated, you know, so many Oxford, Cambridge graduates, they've educated members of parliament, et cetera. So you, you can't go to that school and thrive there with um, a council estate mindset, mm-hmm. you know, um, and, and that's no shade on council estates. Again, like I said, I'm so proud of where I came from and, you know, I'm in touch with so many people. But as you said, you've got to adapt. And that really set me up to, um, really thrive in, in my industry because, you know, now I'm a contractor and pretty much every six to 12 months, I'm at a different bank. So, you know, in the last six, seven years, I've probably worked for seven or eight banks. And for somebody who's not able to adapt, that's impossible. Like yeah. imagine job every six yeah. months. That's basically what I do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I would say that really began those skills and my ability to do that was born out of me coming from where I came from, my estate and going to private school. And nothing wrong with adaptability is something that you know i think it's it, there, are, there are only positives to it really i don't see any negatives of you know having that as a personality trait and and, and you know part of your skill set it's, it's a great skill to have yeah I, mean, I look back on my experience and i'm like more than anything else it, it opened my eyes to a completely different world like yeah. just like you get invited to things yeah and you rock up and you're like oh my god <laughs> like is this real it's like stuff that you almost see in a movie sometimes. Yeah. And it's like, and then you start to, and for me, I started to study the people. I'm like, okay, so if yeah. I didn't understand what they were talking about, I'd have to go Google it. to like, what were they talking about? And then you go and find this information and it's like, hold up, hang on a second. Is that a thing? People can actually <laughs> do this? Yeah. And it's it's so, it's it's very, very eye-opening. Very, very eye-opening as, as an experience. Just being open to it, though, and that's the most important thing, to be open to it and not feel intimidated in those kind of environments. Yeah. That's often the hardest thing. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with you. I mean, I remember when I first started in banking, I mean, you know, very much old school, English, upper middle class um, guys that I worked with. There wasn't usually a lot of people that looked like me 
um, in the teams I was in. And, you know, they talk about stuff that was completely different to what I talk about mm-hmm. with my, um, you know, my family, my friends, and talking about politics and, you know, the economy. And it's kind of ironic. I was, at that time, I was working in a bank and I had, like, no interest in politics and the economy. I was, like, happy to be in a bank, happy to say that I work at Canary Wharf. But, you know, this kind of, like, you know, um, um, coffee coffee machine chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was just like, oh, I ain't got time for that. That's, that's yeah. I'm not even interested in that, but it's so important. Mm-hmm. Those, those chats that you have at the coffee machine, those after work drinks, those are really, you know, truth be told, are what ingratiate you to the people you work with. You know, when they're thinking about promotions or more responsibility, a lot of it, and we talked about this, the soft skills, your ability, your interpersonal skills, your ability to have those chats really do or can potentially set you up for your future career and pr- pr- progression. So that being said, I was just like you. I was like, you know what? I need to understand, you know, what goes on in politics. You know, what is the House of Commons? What's the difference between, you know, all of these MPs and more about the economy? And now, obviously, I make content on, you know, the political economy and finance. But it kind of started with me being in those environments and being willing to adapt and not just saying, you know what? Nah, it's not for me. Yeah. So I'm with you. Absolutely. Talking of, you know, the videos that you're doing, you did a you did a great video that I watched a couple of weeks ago. It was basically about um, these online uh, accounts that will have you believe that you can just oh, quit your job, quit your job. You'll be earning six figures in like two weeks. And I love the stunts. And I, oh, my God, <laughs> I absolutely detest some of the stuff that I see on social media. Something needs to be done about it. I know that we're talking about transitioning through class and, you know, it comes to fundamentally, you know, the money that you earn because the financial part to it is really, really important. It's how you can move from one place to another to be in a better place and you can start to create wealth and do all this kind of stuff. My question to you is this, we've already established that education and, you know, is great, but now there's YouTube, there's TikTok, there's Instagram, there's Facebook, there's all of this information out there. How much of a role do you think opportunists play in this fallacy that mate it doesn't take any work at all i can show you what to do just copy this formula and you're going to be sweet rolling in it in like two months go for it follow me buy my signals buy my this buy my that yeah i mean it's it's an epidemic you know we talk talking about pandemics with these viruses going around these fake influences they are a a legit pandemic um, and yeah, I think for, from my perspective, you know, I've got friends personally who have um, gotten involved in um, multi-level marketing schemes and just I've just watched them being taken for the ride. And literally, um, Pete, two years, one of my friends, two years, like he was part of this, um, this organization and he didn't make a penny from it um, two years, but he was pumping money in, paying membership fee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, they'll give you these um these titles like you know, regional um king, president of okay. you know Southeast. And, and ego fillers, the ego fillers. Ego fillers that selling dreams out here. And to me, just to see someone being taken advantage of in that way, um it, it just made me angry um that people would think to do that. And the sad truth is that because of and it kind of links to your our discussion at the beginning with regard to financial literacy. Because people don't know how to spot um, these these illegitimate um, opportunities, and I, you know, uh, I put quotation marks when I said opportunities, 
Um, it, it seems as though there's just a steady stream of people all the time that are willing, not willing, but that are able to be duped. And that's why there's so many of them out there. And I, I think, you know, me and you, you know, we can do our part, you know, with our content and, you know, speaking to friends and family, just to educate people really mm. on on the signs and flags when something clearly isn't legitimate and when, you know, they could potentially lose a lot of money. And then yeah. just, well. Yeah. I always say to people that, you know, you got to um, take your time with these kind of things. And number one, listen to your gut. If you're, because most people will, will have a reservation to start off with yeah. around, this sounds too good to be true. And I often say that if it feels like that, it probably is just trust your gut. But I think what a lot of these schemes do very, very well is they use psychology and they use the fact that as, as people, and that's just the way we're programmed and built. If someone says, well, there's an easy way to do something to get from A to B, we want to, we want to take that route. Obviously we do. We don't want to work hard. And it, also um feeds on our greed and and that kind of stuff and they're very very proficient at doing so and and as unfortunate as it is it's definitely become so much bigger now with social media it's like it's the biggest opportunity on the planet right now because of the access and the attention that you can you can get on social media just by flashing a watch or flashing a car and i mean those kind of things are the ones that i hope people are waking up to it now because it's, there's only so many accounts you can have where there's a Ferrari, there's a Lamborghini, you're in Dubai and you're doing this and you're like, dude, come on, like seriously. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm completely with you, and like you said, it's 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 um yeah it, it's um it's a it's a war, not a battle. Because as you said, there's so many accounts out there, and it's it's a product of the culture that we live in as well. We live in an age of celebrity. Like there are people who yeah. follow, you know no shade to Kim Kardashian or, you know, the rest of the sisters, I don't know all their names, but, you know, what do they actually do apart from being famous for being famous? You know what I mean? People see it and they aspire to it and you see all, you know, the glossy photos and that, and that's um, kind of the approach um, in addition to the emotional element that you mentioned, but that's the approach that a lot of um, these, these, these scam, these scams are, are following. It's, it's very visual. It's very aspirational. Here's my, Ferrari, here's my, um, you know, Burberry jacket, here's my Rolex watch. You want some of this? Well, you know, follow my, and it's really simple, but it works. It feeds into, as you said, it feeds into our emotions. So um, again, yeah, like I said, it's, it, I, it really is an education piece. I, I am hopeful that more and more people are um, wising up to it, but I do feel like, you know, government and media can do more to, mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Stuff, I really don't think they do enough. I don't know what your thoughts are. No, um, I, I think there needs to be a juncture at some point where they step in. Yeah. And they step in and say, these are the kind of things that we will not tolerate and they have to find a way to regulate it in some way, shape or form. They're going to have to because there are just way too many people that fall victim to these kind of things. Mm -hmm. And more than anything else, the perpetrators get away with it. The victims left holding the back. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, um, I'll give you another example, pyramid schemes, right? So, you know, we all, most people are familiar with the term pyramid schemes and, you know, long and short, you know, new people join and they're essentially paying the returns for the people that joined mm -hmm. earlier on. And it gets to a point where it can't be sustained and the people who join last lose their money. Mm -hmm. that, in summary, that's, that's what it is. However, you kind of scratch your head and you're like, well, how come so many pyramid schemes seem to be getting set up by the day? 
And, you know, I looked into, I made another video a while back and I looked into the laws around it. And it's basically like, as, as long as these schemes are selling a product, they can't be technically cast as a, a pyramid. pyramid scheme. Yeah. I, I could be running a <laughs> pyramid scheme. And if I say, oh yeah, like, you know, I got this app on my website and it's just, you know, it's a dead app, but you know, that is the product, but that's say, I don't know, 1% of my revenue, but the 99% is all of these members paying fees because I've got this product over here. I can get away with it. Mm-hmm. It's insane. And as you said, government, or whoever, you know, whoever the governing bodies are, whether it's an independent one or a government, they, they need to step in because, you know, it, it's too easy for them right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. There is one that I'm, I've been very, very vocal about over the last maybe nine to ten months. I won't mention them here, but it's just what they're promising people is like, and, and just the more you dig into it, the more, like, obviously with 15 years experience in the industry, I'm like, I'm asking questions like, yo, dude, this doesn't make any sense. And, and, and and laying it out as clearly as I possibly can. Like, you need to be mindful of this, this, and this. But they just spin the same old things and people believe it. And it's like, unfortunately, it's, I don't want to be the person who was like, I told you so. But eventually mm-hmm. when it does fail, because it will fail at some point, there will be, they've got 200,000, 300,000 people in this now. It's like, it's big, it's huge. But this is one of those things that we kind of just accept with social media now, unfortunately. That, that, yeah, that's insane. That's insane. And yeah, you, you just hope, I think the thing is as well, not, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on it now, so I'm going to care. But what I see a lot with these schemes is that they target vulnerable um, communities and types of people. So, you know, when I was doing my research, they target a lot of women, especially um, stay at home mums, because, mm-hmm. You know, being a mum is, is is a noble job. It, it's so much work. But, you know, if you're not going into an office every day and somebody comes along with this proposition, it's like, you know, you can make money at home and, you know, you got a kid, but you can also have your own thing, but you're working from home. It's your own little home-based business. And you see a lot of women and, you know, they, they are a vulnerable um, demographic, you know, because they target them specifically for their, you know, their their, their situation or their the context that they are mm-hmm. in life. You also see um, a lot of ethnic communities being, um, being being targeted, like, you know, Blessing Looms is a good example. I don't know if you've ever heard mm-hmm. of them, but mm-hmm. they're quite prevalent in um, the Caribbean and African uh, communities. And, you know, they're targeting, they're predatory. They're targeting people who, or communities who are not financially literate or as financially, as financially literate as, you know, the average person and, you know, trying to extract as much money as possible. And also young people as well, sorry, by the yeah. way mentioned social media most people on instagram you know are, are young younger um young, younger generations e people and you know if you're younger you're at school you're at uni you're not necessarily as financial liter- as financially literate as you would be if you've left and you're paying bills and you've got a life and you're managing a household budget so yeah it, it just really gets on my nerves yeah <laughs> I, I try and uncover it when i can yeah. appreciate it well listen in, in in trying to kind of wrap up the conversation and stuff like that you know, we've talked about education and, and you know, financials that obviously build into that and the ability to have, you know, soft skills. Those are really important. Is there any other thing or one thing that you would say in your experience has been the biggest uh, contributor to your success through your career so far? Yeah, I would say that it's just self-education. Um, I know it's like a catch-all term, but um, my I, I tend to learn pretty well. Everything that I, well, apart from work, obviously working in the industry, but, you know, believe it or not, working in banking, you know, doesn't give you 
just just being in that job, just working in a bank doesn't necessarily mean you're financially literate. No. So outside of that, um, podcasts, um, I've just got a very inquisitive mind. So podcasts, YouTube videos, books, you, you don't need, you honestly don't necessarily need to go on courses and pay thousands of pounds. Um, you know, you don't need to climb a mountain and find a sage at the top to teach all of it. You know, mm-hmm. you can find this out for yourself. It's out there. So um, I, I really do think that's down to, uh, you know, 70, 80% of my success. You know, I invest in property as well. I haven't covered it because that's not the topic of this conversation, but, you know, I own four properties and that's all self-taught. I, I didn't go on a course and pay mm-hmm. pounds. I just did research and found out how to did it, how to do it. Um, you know, I took trips to like Liverpool, Manchester, Sheffield, far away towns and cities that I knew nothing about. And I said, you know what, you know, I've read this, um, I've done this research, let me go and see it for myself. And yeah, you know, it, it works is what I'm trying to say. It works. Yeah. Maybe we need to get you back on to talk about actually your property journey specifically, because I know that you do create content on that as well as one of your one of your outputs and stuff. But I really do appreciate you for coming on to the show. Tell people how do they actually find you? Yeah, I'm I'm on Instagram. I'm at Warren Gosling. I'm on YouTube, same name, Warren Gosling, and also on Twitter. So feel free to reach out to me. I'm always happy to take any questions and help with anything. So those are the platforms that I'm on. Thanks, Warren. And guys, if you have listened to this conversation, you found it interesting, please make sure that you do go and check out uh, Warren's YouTube channel uh, and all of the Instagram accounts and everything like that. Really, really good content out there. As always, I appreciate you for listening on a Monday morning or a Tuesday afternoon, um, whatever day of the week that you've actually listened to this to. Um, as always, look, guys, this this podcast is all about trying to broaden your horizons and the way you think about sort of money because, you know, my saying is, money is a tool, life is for living. And it's really, really important that we have the right perspectives when we're looking at this and different perspectives, given their views, I think adds value to the views that we essentially end up forming um, for the decisions that we make and the lives that we lead. Have an amazing week. I will catch you later on. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you. New to investing? Check out Peter's course for first-time investors designed to give you the foundation you need. If you prefer one-on-one coaching, book a complimentary discovery with the man himself. All links in the show notes.